This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chas Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. On this episode of Inside Supercars, we continue our look at supercars and the motorsport media. In our first part, we looked at where the sport is at the moment and what supercars can do to help the independent media. And we also looked at what supercars.com's role is in the wider media landscape. If you missed that episode, you can go back and listen to it now. I'll wait. Continuing on today, we're gonna look at some of the issues between supercars, the media, social media, websites, and also those phone calls that some media receive when people don't like what they've had to say. Let's start though with the fan base. Bruce Williams has got some strong opinions on where the fan base is at in Australia at the moment. I think it's it's a matter of focusing people's minds and I think we need to find a way to engage people that aren't hardcore motorsport. One of the interesting things that's happened is I think that, and this is, the, and I talked about it before, um, you know, I've got my, my whole life I've been growing up around people who are interested in motorsport. Something's changed in the last couple of years. People that are rusted on car racing people aren't engaged at the moment and I don't know what the answer is. I've got my theories on what needs to be done to bring it back but they're saying to me that it's all too polite and touchy-feely and kissy-kissy and all that sort of stuff. It's all too nice. Um, So whether or not we need, but we need to change that. But again, people want to watch sport for the for the excitement, for the adrenaline and and the characters and the personalities. And I think we've 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 sort of dumbed it down and we've niced it up a bit. I mean, Davy Reynolds is a classic example. I mean, he made some silly he's made some silly comments, he's made some engaging comments and interesting comments. But you know, there was one of about 10 years ago he made a comment and he got howled down. Now 99% of the population, and I said this recently on the podcast, I don't know who they think that the audience are that that show up at the Adelaide Grand Prix or Adelaide 500 or go to Sandan, but they're not the Chardonnay sipping latte set, you know, in their in their silk shirts and their carafes and all the rest of the stuff. They're, you know, most of them, and dare say, Craig, without being offending to them, because most of these people are my mates, they're blue collar, they're singlets, they're, they're T-shirt wearing bogans. And at the end of the day, we need to not lose sight of who, who the audience for motorsport is re-engage with them, get them excited again, the loyal people that are involved in motorsport. And let's not forget, you know, if you start out racing go-karts and you're still racing when you're 15 or 20 or 18 or 30, you spend a lot of money to get there. Supercars also is looking at who their fan base is and have put a lot of time, effort and money into a brand new app, which they are hoping will help engage more and more people. James Pavey explains. Yeah, I've been with the company for three years now, and the first two years of that, they were using the website that we've used since 2015, I believe. And uh, Anthony Ivernez, our, our head of digital, who came in towards the end of 2022, it was a 
ambition of his and obviously ours to get a new platform underway. And a big part of that was a new app as well. And like you said, obviously, everything's been designed around desktops as well. But in the last, well, even you know, five to 10 years, you've seen a bit of a shift towards mobile. And we can see the stats. We know all the analytics. And there's been a huge shift towards mobile. And it's a way of making a sport more accessible, making it easy to look at. And obviously, when you're at the track, especially, you know, you're looking at it from your phone as well. No one carries around laptops to a racetrack as well. So, you know, we, we want to make sure that with these new platforms and with the new app and the website, it was really accessible from the fan stand- standpoint from the track as well. Andrew Van Leeuwen is the editor of supercars.com. And while when he was back in the magazine days, it took weeks and months to work out what stories worked and what stories didn't, the data today that they have available at Speed Cafe really changes the ball game on working out how to engage their fans. I can tell you within 30 seconds whether it's going to work or not. It's not two hours, it's like right this second i can tell you that's we we have we just moved to a new analytics platform but yeah that's it does not take long to know what works there was so much guesswork when what we used to do what we used to do in magazines so much guesswork now you know exactly and that's where the jobs kind of become easier in a way Uh, that's why i say the guys like the numbers tell the story it's right here look at it there bang you can i'll tell you right now i mean i could pull my phone out and tell you exactly how many people are sitting on every story on our website right now Another area that Supercars has been focusing in on is social media. As the editor of supercars.com explains, it's social media's engagement that then drives people to the website. Yeah, a big investment target point of Supercars at the moment is, you know, how the sport looks on social, how exciting the sport can look. And, you know, I look to, to Brent Montgomery, who's been there for four years. He came from rugby league. He knows how fast-paced sport works. And, you know, they don't get much faster in Australia than supercars. And you have to package that in a way that tells the story but also makes it look fun because it is. But at the same time, like, when you look at your Twitters and more so now Instagram, it's a lot of video content. You've got to really capture that moment in a way that tells story as best as possible. And we are very blessed to have an incredible broadcast platform that allows us to to work off that um, we have all the onboards and things and the, the cameras and all those different angles. But with social as well, you want to be able to expand on the story you're seeing on TV rather than just, in, for lack of a better word, recurgitating the same content out where you want to look for the different onboards. You want to look for the different angles of crashes. And social plays a huge role in that. There's obviously the corporate side of that as well, which is really important. You've got to be able to help teams and partners tell their own stories as well. But being able to use those channels to <laughs> make it more fun, I guess. And one of the one of the more fun things that Brent brought in the last two years was TikTok. That that in itself is just a different platform altogether where you can tell a different story or tell the same story from a different angle and more of a fun angle compared to Instagrams and, and Facebooks as well. And so with the focus of social media and the new app, which is their website, it does mean that they have changed their focus on how much news that supercars.com wants to provide over how much engagement through all the channels they're looking to put out there. I think sometimes news waits for no one. Uh, at the same time, we, we do have ambition to do you know, fun compilations and things that will go out across the website and even YouTube. And then even then, no, you won't really hold stuff for TikTok because in a way that's also just a completely different platform. You know, there'll be a way to package an incident or a race radio or something like that, which 
uh, talks to that audience better than maybe Instagram would. Um, they're all different. They all help tell the same story, but it's a matter of packaging it in a way that caters to that audience. You know, we might have 300K on Instagram, you know, nearly 300K on TikTok, a million on Facebook, but there might be a lot of crossover. There might be a lot of different fans on, say, TikTok, for example, and it's a way to be able to communicate to those fans in a way that caters to that audience most. Easy example, I'll use TikTok again, the way that we didn't have it two years ago. Now it's the fastest growing platform we've got, and it is the ability of bringing in new fans. And like I said, that that's so important for for any sport, and we're we're seeing that growth right in front of us. You know, we had. Facebook was always the biggest one and you're able to use that for news, but now you can use it for for marketing campaigns, you can use it for video, you can use it for, for, for sponsored posts, which is important in itself, but TikTok has an ability to tell a different side of the story as well and tell a, a different fun side of the story as well. The website will always serve a purpose and especially now with the new website, it's going to have a massive role to play with the fan experience and the app is the same part. But um, yeah, socials are definitely growing, some not so as fast as others, but everything has a role to play. And I think the website's going to be the major cog for, for as long as I can think of. The media all over is moving to shorter, snappier stories, but at what point is a story about what someone wrote on their Instagram account or tweeted really become a genuine story and is not just clickbait? Aaron Noonan. Yeah, and it, it's it's an inescapable reality of the world now that that's um, reporting on what celebrities, sports people put on social media because those are the people that are the people that people want to know about, want to read about, and want to want to learn more about. So, um, is it lazy journalism? As a traditionalist, it probably is, but you kind of can't. Um, you, sometimes you've got to roll with the flow of the river just because that's the flow of the river whether you like it or not andrew van lewen isn't too worried about clickbait or the balance of what stories or what pictures of cars might be on speed cafe i think it's for the better it's all content like i definitely sit on the side of the fence of like just try it like if you if you're not sure if something's a story, you know we've all got a gut instincts on things, and I definitely don't take it too seriously. Like I'll, I will jump on any story if I think that it's going to get clicks, and sometimes it does, and yeah, you know, every now and then it doesn't. But you get a pretty good sense of what's going to work. I think there are people in the industry that um, you know do take it too seriously and go, well, that's not a story. Why is that a story? And I don't necessarily mean the media industry, but even in the paddock, oh, is that really a story? So yeah. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, let us decide that. That's our job to work that out. Um, but at the end of the day, you don't want to populate your website with crap. But at the same time, you don't. The story you don't run gets zero clicks, like nothing. So even if you do something that didn't quite work, you know, you log it and go, okay, that didn't quite work. But even if a hundred people clicked on it, that's a hundred more clicks you got today. So you will definitely. And and that, that's an argument we used to have a lot. Um, you know, in the motorsport.com world, where you have motorsport.com, which was sort of the fun more tabloidy brand and then autosport.com which was the real you know take everything super seriously and we used to have we used to have a few barneys about what was and wasn't a story um and you just don't get any clicks for the story you don't run so it's worth giving it a go and i don't think that's a bad thing for journalism i mean at the end of the day if people are clicking on something it's because they're interested in it here's the vet sleuth again i've never sat there thinking oh this will boost the numbers and then i can go and tell the sponsors this 
the numbers are the numbers. Um, I, we try to build partnerships with partners that have a win-win. You know, that there's are they pushing their brand, a product? Do they want to talk to the consumer a bit more? Do they want to convert into sales? Whatever it might be, it's got to be something that works for them and works for us. But um, I reckon that the yeah, you can get lost in what other people are doing too. We go, oh, we need to write a story on that. We sometimes the news is the news. You can't avoid it, and other people beat you to stuff. But I think it's the strength of our guys and our team is that we're never going to get every story first. No one is. It's not going to happen. But there's always a way to then get the next angle on it or uh, a different tangent, and that's where we've got the history and heritage side of things too to, to lean upon. So I, I, I actually don't look at us as a news site, which sounds really strange. We do do news. Yeah, you employ a very good motorsport news journalist in Conor O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. It's a part of the package of what we do. I sort of feel like we're, we're a content destination. Because not everything we do is news. Some of it's features, it's history, it's a bit of industry, it's, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But clearly the news element is the more prominent element to it all. Van Lewin says that he does get a lot of inquiries about the balance of stories across the supercar field. But understandably, there's a reason why the same teams keep bobbing up. I don't think so. You do get questions about why is there always Triple Eight and DJR cars on the website, but you got to remember that when you're running a pack shot for a general supercar story, they're the cars that are at the front. So they're the cars that are in the photo because they're leading the race. So, um, yeah, but no, that's just you can't worry about that. We have to do what's driving traffic to our website and doing it right. So how does Aaron Noonan set the editorial standard for the Sleuth website and all their publications. Oh, I don't need to set them because I've got guys who know what they should be and that's why I got them, because they're the, the right guys for the job. I think there's a misunderstanding and we're not going to change it, um, no matter what we say, in the general public out there who accuse us, anyone, of, of clickbait because they've got an expectation of what they think a story will be and it's not what it is. But if, you know, clickbait and a very smart social media sell for a story are very different things. So I was talking to someone about this recently. If you think about back in the day, or you go to a news agent, what sells you the idea to buy the magazine? What's on the cover, pretty much? Like that's what's, you know, in magazine days at Motorsport News, we want to do a cover that made people look and go, oh yeah, I'll buy that. Headline, imagery, design, that's the thing that hooks you in. Well, these days now in, you know, websites, you don't have a front cover. Your front cover is social media. It's your post on Facebook or Insta or X or wherever you're sending the traffic from. So you've got to sell. Because at the end of the day, you want people to read your website. Now there's the line between what's taking the piss and what's a well-played, well-crafted, enticed the click. The story was the story, but the headline or the social sell um, was one that made the reader ponder and want to know more. Big difference between that and what clickbait is, which is, you know, Daily Mail spec or the story just does not match what the headline and what the sell is. I've never been asked to provide any feedback on anything. I mean, teams should probably be asking that question as well, going, hey, like, can you let us know? Again, if they, I think with a bit more understanding, hey, can you let us know kind of what, you know, what value you're getting so we can, we can pass that on to our partners? Um, so no, look, it's not a conversation I've ever really had, but I think a, a more a better understanding of how the media works would benefit everybody in so many ways. Just come, you know, 
tying that back into what we were talking about before about um, the way the interaction we have with the teams like yeah a better understanding would be good for everyone so how do you make some money out of it Aaron Noonan I guess everyone's got a bit of a different business model of how they do it so in terms of media I'm talking so you know my model's different from Speed Cafe's model or Auto Action's model or you know any other you know I'm just looking in the media center here to see who else is here um, of how everybody goes about it and 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 that probably fuels and creates some of the different issues and problems that we all have different issues and problems because we all have a different way of looking at it and a different business setup of how we do it. While media generally gets slammed with lies and fake news and beating up stories, clickbait, there's one thing that seems to be happening quite regularly these days and that is media outlets getting phone calls from supercar people about the stories that they want to run. Bruce Williams says he's even getting complaints about stories he hasn't run yet. One of the things that I'm, I suppose, I'm proud of, and I, you know, you know me, I don't try and go out and win popularity contests. And what you've said also is very true. The amount of stuff that we know and the stuff that we sit on, and you know, I've I've learnt the hard way that I don't just go off and write a story. And in fact, I've been abused by somebody recently because I rang them and asked them about something that I was told, which turned out to be completely true. And this particular person abused me because I had the audacity to ring them. And I pointed out to him, I said, well, that's okay, but the reality is I'm not writing it unless I know it's true. So um, at the end of the day, we had a conversation and he agreed that my approach was probably better than the others, other people's approach who sometimes just go and put stuff up. But you know, again, I, I say I don't try and win any popularity contests. You know, auto action, I'm, we're proudly independent. Um, we don't take any money of any description from supercars. And as such, I probably poke them and prod them a little bit because we don't feel, you know, we're not going to lose advertising revenue. Barclay Netafold isn't going to ring out and, or their commercial department and say, oh, that's it, we're going to pull the pin on you because um, you've said unkind things about it. And the reality of that is that, Auto Action again broke a story 18 months ago about the potential resale of supercars less than five or six months after um, Race had purchased it. Now, none of the other motorsport media touched it. They basically put their head in the sand and pretend it didn't happen, and I got that shit kicked out of me. But the reality was it was a true story, and out of that situation with trying to do, you know, speak to people and get the facts and we got quotes from lots of interesting people and Barclay Netafold, um, you know, he he knew we tried to communicate, but unfortunately it didn't happen and he was a bit annoyed with me. But out of that, I suppose, that potential animosity has developed quite a positive relationship because he knows at the end of the day I'm a bit of a straight shooter and we try and do the thing. But he also knows that we won't take a step back if we think something is relevant and needs to be talked about we're going to talk about it because at the end of the day in in a healthy democracy or a healthy sport people need to accept when things aren't right and and people should feel the opportunity because we don't we don't just voice the concerns and the the feelings that 
as three or four or ten people have in an office. I mean, I spend my whole life talking to people about motorsport. So many of my friends are obviously in the industry and they communicate to me. They ask me questions. They talk to me. They tell me how they feel about the sport. So from the point of view of, I suppose, a, a lightning rod or understanding what I, what the feelings are in the community that, that are out there, I get a lot of people, um, a lot of people um, give me their feedback. Having said that, you know, we vigorously support and 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 um, celebrate the wonderful things that supercars bring to, to motorsport in this country because at the end of the day, if it wasn't for the time and effort and the massive corporate partnerships that, that people at supercars have and the events that they put on, motorsport in this country would be pretty sad. So, you know, while we can be critical, I think we're also very – I think the motorsport media, and I don't just include myself, I think we're pretty good at celebrating the great successes. I mean, and a classic example recently was, you know, we had the the fantastic success of young Matty Payne winning his first supercar race at Adelaide and Brody Kostecki and Erebus winning their first supercar championship. And we celebrated that vigorously because, you know, these are the sort of things the sport needs to talk about and it's the great characters and um, – the great moments in sport is what engages with people. And probably that's the one thing we're lacking a little bit at the moment. I think we touched on it in our podcast, our, our own podcast recently, is that, you know, we need to bring back a couple of bad guys to 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 get the sport and get people talking again. And, you know, maybe they won't be bad people, but at the end of the day, we need to bring back some rivalry and get some people talking again. Often the media has chosen not to run particular stories and Andrew Van Leeuwen says that is an aspect that supercars people aren't admitting or even facing up to. That's that's exactly right and that does happen and that is so underappreciated in this paddock and the amount of times we get torn up by people who you know think we're trying to damage the sport when some of the stuff we know that we don't run particularly obviously personal things relating to uh, people's personal lives and that again that would be back page of the paper if they were a footy player what the drivers and team owners here never appreciate properly is that they think that they live in a fishbowl and we're writing about everything they do and they have no idea what that's like if they were footy players they wouldn't know what hit them they really wouldn't and that is something and i, and I have this conversation with these guys and it is something that annoys me that we sort of get treated like the bad guys when we're actually we we actually run a, a a really healthy balance healthy for the for these guys balance of what we write about and what we don't and then we still get torn up for doing stuff and it's like man this could be a lot worse for you like we really do the right thing by this sport 9.99999 times out of 10 like it's it's insane that that is something and there is a bit of an anti uh journalist sentiment in the paddock at the moment and it's something that needs to be addressed because um we could play a lot nastier and we don't and that's just how this industry is and i'm not i'm not saying we should play nastier but i think there should be a level of respect for the fact that we will put the sport first way more often than we more often than we don't Often the media has chosen not to run particular stories and Andrew Van Leeuwen says that is an aspect that supercars people aren't admitting or even facing up to. 
you can't be too precious about it because you need to be driving traffic. The beauty of a company like Speed Cafe is that even if you're not first with something, it does amazing traffic. People engage with it. You know, there's certain people who that's just their go-to website. So that's very different to motorsport.com where with supercars stuff I really needed. You know, the more exclusive it was, the better traction that I got. Um, but, you know, we have a very healthy rivalry, I think, with the other media outlets here. Um, it's fun. It's a fun part of the job. We're competitive people. Like, that's the bit that I enjoy about it. Um, but it's not a bitter rivalry in any sort of way. It was probably a lot more bitter back in the old Motorsport News auto action days than it is now. You know, we socialise together, you know, like the, you know, guys like Stefan at VS League is one of my best friends in the world. You know, like that's, um, and I don't give, I don't care who he's working for, we'll still always be best mates. So, you know, there's not, and if he breaks a good story, I'm like, yeah, awesome. Look at him go. That's great. So it's a different dynamic, but yeah, we all want to be first. That was Andrew Van Leeuwen. Here's Bruce Williams again. If you take out supercars themselves is obviously is auto action and speed cafe and that sleuth now who are you know getting more aggressive i made a comment recently about the fact that there's an awful lot of money spent with a particular platform and they've got a you know they pay for people to go to their events and all that sort of stuff and realistically the amount of coverage that was generated by that that media outlet Four supercars at the Adelaide 500, for example, was pretty minimal and quite disappointing, really. Here's Aaron Noonan's point of view. Oh, I think it's healthy. I think it's... I actually don't see us... Um, I think that, yeah, for the whole thing, competition's good because it drives everyone to be better and to get the story before the other guys and all of that stuff. So that's good. Um, I don't really look at... Uh, look, wrong to say, don't look at what everyone else is doing. You glance, you see, you can't help but see. Like, But um, I'm pretty solid in what we do, how we do it, why we do it. So whatever other people are doing, a lot of it doesn't affect or interest me purely because it doesn't fit what I'm doing. There's elements that do, always keeping an eye. I think you're silly if you're not looking to see what everyone is doing from a business perspective or a commercial perspective. You should always learn something if it's a little bit or a lot or something in the middle so but um yeah you've got to have rivalries don't you because it's it'd be boring if there wasn't and um but i think the overriding thing is it's probably a reflection of the sport where it is at the moment of how many outlets you know is there someone out there who would tomorrow start a supercars or motorsport news type website in this country They'd want to have really deep pockets. They'd want to be starting from a pretty good base. Um, it'd be it'd be a tough run to make it sort of all stack up. So, uh, yeah, if if the sport's bigger, then there's more people doing more of that stuff, and this media room is is fuller, and they're they're looking to put more tables and chairs in, which is a good thing. James Pavey thinks it's good for the sport that there is more intense rivalry being shown through the media outlets. I think when you look at the way it is now, maybe even five years ago, it's great to see your sleuths coming in and auto actions are evolving and Sphere Cafe is evolving and, you know, motorsport.com, there's a lot going on and then you see Fox Sports involved and other, other websites involved as well. It's healthy and it's it's good to see healthy competition for news as well. You know, the last thing you want is an embargoed news story going out, everyone writes the same story and then the world moves on. You want to have points of difference and... Like I said, you've got 25 drivers and 11 teams. Everyone deserves a, a cut of the pie. You want to see some different stories happening. And it is, in a way, from that perspective, a small industry because you've got 
a few journalists fighting for the same piece of turf, but at the same time, it's an opportunity for everyone to tell different stories and essentially undercut each other with who's got the better story and stuff like that. I love that part of it. I think it's really healthy for the sport. I think it keeps everyone on their toes as well. I mentioned in our last show that there is an apparent contraction in the number of media jobs out there in motorsport in Australia, but Bruce Williams looks at it a very different way. Look, there's 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 a, some serious there's a couple of serious players. I mean, one of the things that's sad is that outside of the specialist motorsport media, and that's Auto Action, Speed Cafe, and Sleuth, and you know people like yourself with your podcasts and and other platforms are out there. The contraction is definitely in the mainstream media. There is almost zero coverage in the mainstream media of motorsport in this country. That's that is criminal, given that we know that so much of the money um, and so so much of the sport is tied up in all of that stuff, and there's investment made to try and deliver coverage by the mainstream media, but they fundamentally ignore supercars and what's going on, um, which is really, really disappointing. So from that point of view, yes, there is a, there's a retraction and I don't understand why it's that, whether or not, you know, whether the journos of, of, of the editors of these esteemed publications just aren't into it and they're more interested in social knitting or whatever. I don't know what it is, but you know, there is a retraction there. Um, what I've noticed of late is that there's been a genuine interest in what Oscar Piastri's done across all levels of media and, and uh, you know, free-to-air TV and all the multimedia platforms. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a lovely young kid. He's a good-looking young kid and he's delivering. So there's an obviously a natural um, interest and a focus on him. Let's hope he keeps delivering and gets more of that. But Supercars seems to have basically, I don't know, disappeared. And again, I think that could be about controlling the narrative. I mean, we've seen some pretty pretty crazy stuff over the years, but I mean, if you want to generate some media, go back to Eastern Creek, you know, 20 years ago when uh, our good friend uh, Russell and Scafo were um, at each other's throats and, um, you know, Scafo standing on the side of the road, track shaking his fists and Russell steered towards him. I mean, that mate, that got coverage all over the place and got people talking for a long time. You know, dangerous. Supercars.com have launched a new website at Bathurst last year, and it was part of a whole strategy across all platforms on how they wanted to present the sport. What's interesting is, is the move they've made the first jump towards the future of what motorsport media might look like? Here's James Pavey. Some people email in, they'll be asking questions about how you use this, this and this. I think thing, it's been designed in a way to be a bit more fun. It's been a bit, it's designed to, to have that extra element of interactivity, which is what we've been looking for. You know, the, the old website was, was good in a way, but it looked, when you think of it now, it was very, very static, no moving parts to it. You scroll up and down, everything stays the same. We wanted to be able to create a site that has the ability to be moving and almost keep you on your toes, and there's a lot a lot of moving parts. But, again, the, the key part of it, and people, again, I'll, I'll use the example of NRL.com. They changed everything five years ago, and a lot of feedback around that was, I guess, negative in the way that people didn't really – understand the change and why the change but now it's 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 an absolute hero among sport and that's the ambition for us as well and 
uh, tribal who designed the website, they were very much aware of that and they understood the moving parts of motorsport and even down to the nitty-gritty of not live timing. That's an important part of someone's race weekend, being able to put them in a position that not only could you know, look look good but have different elements of live timing, how much you actually get. And on top of that, you know, with a live blog we've brought in and we've never had that before, you know, being able to tell a better picture of the story and of the race weekend and, you know, I, I'm sure at at a stage people might look at it for the first time and there's a lot going on but i, I can't wait to hopefully <laughs> see them understand that there are so many more parts and so much more opportunity for them to be close to the action than ever what does aaron noonan thinks the future holds for the v8 sleuth brand there are some elements of, of our world that are you know bubbling away in the background so we're going to keep them in the background but um, oh, more of the same, uh, there's no grand new frontier to go and try to leap into next year, the year after or, or anything like that. We've got a long way to go in terms of before we run out of road on what we're doing. Like we are only just getting started, so. Andrew Van Leeuwen has plans now that he's at the helm of speedcafe.com, but he's keeping his cards close to his chest. I think you'll see more multi. I can't give too much away here. I do have a very detailed plan of, uh, of where Speed Cafe is going, um, which was sort of my first job when I got into the role, uh, which is very exciting, and I can't give too much of it away. But you will see more... Um, you know, I think, I think there's two pillars to it. There's always just that traditional... Like You'll never beat just a great breaking news story to drive traffic to your website. Which is 250 words yeah. on a page with a collaborative photo. And it doesn't matter what... It doesn't matter whether it's by you can forget any everything about SEO and this and that, and if it's a, just a ball tearing news story, you know, tens of thousands of people are going to click on it. Absolutely no drama. Um, and then you've got the other side of it, which is actually trying to maximise like the digitisation of the world and become more multimedia focused and look at the fact that you can actually, you know, use social media uh, as a sellable asset and you can measure social media presence and you and, and use that in your reporting it's not all about just driving traffic you know like trying to measure it's it's harder but trying to measure the um the effect and importance of engagement and you know with sort of how we come up with the metrics that we can then take to market and go hey you know okay like don't just think about the fact that we got this many page impressions but let's have a look at the reach that this did and all that sort of stuff so um we're definitely looking at uh you know, if we sort of look at what we're doing in terms of staffing and that, it's like where where do we see which departments do we sort of see growing? And you, you do look at stuff like your social presence um, as becoming a much bigger thing. And motorsport.com's got four people working in the socials department. You know, it's uh, it's it's they're sort of at that level already, and that's kind of where we will eventually get to. But yeah, multimedia stuff, obviously, the way people consume their media is changing. They'll still read a great news story, but you know, with other stuff, is there better ways to to get out there and cover it? My thanks to Andrew Van Leeuwen from speedcafe.com. The V8 sleuth, Aaron Noonan, of course, he's got the publications, the website and the podcasts. Bruce Williams, who is Auto Action's head. And also you can catch him on the Rev Limiter podcast, which he spoke about on a number of times throughout the show. And finally, from supercars.com, who might feel like he was a bit of a whipping boy throughout this series, James Pavey, we thank him for his time. That's all on this edition of Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling. And bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more.
or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.